Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, you and I have a concept of God sometimes that really, can I be honest with you, is unrealistic. The way we see God, the way we see how He works in our lives and so forth, we, we sometimes put Him in a box. And, and the reality is, is that God is greater than the box we put Him in. And here, what do I mean by that? Well, sometimes we have a picture of God as being pretty condemning. If you listen to a lot of the rhetoric that's going on, especially in the culture wars on on the radio and stuff, you would think that God is ready to just zap us all. I mean, yeah, He does hate our sin. He hates the sin in our lives. He hates the destruction that the sin in our lives bring. But what happens is, and I think this is what's happening a lot in the churches today, and maybe to an extent even here, is, is that we have this concept of God that he is just ready to squash us. But that is so different from what Jesus was trying to tell us. That is so different from what God wants to do in our lives. See, here's the reality. Let's, let's be honest. You and I, it's real easy for us to write people off. You know what I mean by that? It is so easy for us to write people How many? Don't raise your hand. Have you ever written somebody off? I mean, like, I'm done dealing with him. This is the last time. I'm done dealing with her. I am sick of this happening. You're done. I'm done with you. Those are the attitudes that we develop. Now, here's what happens. If we have a wrong concept of God, when we write off people we sometimes begin, a lot of times begin to think in terms of that God has written them off. That God is, God's fed up with them. That He's impatient with them. But the reality is, is that, can I be honest with you, that type of attitude is more reflective, it is reflected in the Scripture, but it's reflected by the Pharisees in the Scripture, than it's reflected by Jesus. Because the reality is is that God doesn't write people off. That while they're alive, there's still hope. No matter what their circumstances is, no matter what their failures are, no matter what the junk is that has happened in their life, He hasn't written them off. For some of you, you maybe need to hear that because you think God has written you off. So let's look at this passage together. It's really interesting. Here's what, here's what we're building towards. We're going to look today at two parables, and then next week Jesus gets into the prodigal son. And we're probably going to spend a couple of weeks on the prodigal son. And what chapter 15 is all about, folks, chapter 15 isn't about you and I, per se, although there is an implication for you and I here. Chapter 15 is about a scandalous God. Chapter 15 is about a God who goes beyond what we think is appropriate. A God who creates scandal. 
because of the people he goes after. So let's look with me. We're just going to look at the first ten verses and see what he's going to communicate to us today about himself. Look with me at verse 1. Then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him to hear him. The Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he recalls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. Or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice for me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Folks, here's what we're going to see here. We're going to divide this passage really into three sections. First of all, we're going to see what the scandal is. Because what's going on with Jesus' ministry is causing a problem. It's scandalous. It's not appropriate. Then we're going to see what the heart of God is. And hopefully we'll get a bigger picture of who God is and how he acts towards us. And then we're going to see what the imperative is. There's something out of this passage that you and I need to do, that needs to affect us. So let's first of all look at what the scandal is. Notice with me verse 1. Luke makes a point to say that the sinners, tax collectors and sinners, drew near to him to hear him. So the point I want to make to you is there is this. The unacceptable were interested. The unacceptable were interested. Here's what's going on. In their day, the Pharisees were kind of like the middle class. They were the acceptable people. They were the folks who went to the synagogue. They had the best seats in the synagogue. They had the best seats in church. They were probably the folks who, at a typical church here today, were the core group. They were the most affluent. They were the most influential. They knew all the spiritual stuff and the lingo. The problem is, is that they were also pretty exclusive. They didn't have anything to do with anybody else. Now the tax collectors, we already know what they were. They were the people who collected taxes for Rome. So they were basically viewed as traitors. And sinners, they were viewed as ungodly. Those kind of people, the other kind of people, the scripture tells us, Luke records for us, that they're the ones who were drawing near to Jesus. They're interested in this Jesus because maybe they're hearing the things that he's saying about God and that God is accepting people to him that aren't necessarily acceptable. 
And so they want to hear some more. And so the scandalous thing is, is that this Jesus is having these unacceptable people being interested in him. So that's a scandal. Because to be honest with you, it should only be the perfect people who should be interested. Because if you're not doing right, God's not accepting you. That's what they thought. And so it's pretty scandalous here. And here's the other thing that's even more scandalous too. It's not just that they were interested. The second point I want you to see here, we see this in verse 1, is verse, we see this in verse 2, is, is look at their complaint. Here's what they said. This man receives sinners and he eats with them. It isn't just that they were interested. He actually reached out to them. Jesus reaches out to them. Do you see that? It's like, why are you hanging out with those kind of people? It's one thing if they're interested in you, but you don't have to return the favor. You don't have to answer the phone calls. And you actually are going to be seen with them at the local McDonald's? That's what's going on here. That's the scandal. See, the scandal is, folks, here's the thing. This is the problem in our churches today. We very much have an attitude about who should be here and who shouldn't. And it is scandalous to us because, listen, we write people off. And because we assume God writes them off because we wrote them off, it's just scandalous to think that they would be interested in that even God would reach out to them and bless them. And so that's the setting here. So Jesus responds to this. He responds to their attitudes. Folks, he responds to our attitudes. And how he responds is, is he gives them two parables. He tells them two stories. Stories, Parables are basically stories that are not necessarily a true life event, but they're stories representative of things happening in their culture to convey a truth. And so he gives them two parables. And the first parable is the parable of the guy who has sheep, one of his hundred sheep leaves and is lost somewhere. And the fact is is that Jesus says he leaves the 99 and he goes looking for the one lost sheep. And the other is about a lady who has ten coins. And she loses one of the coins. And so she does everything she can to find that one silver coin. And out of these two stories, we see the heart of God. So here's what I want you to see about the heart of God. Let's look at the first thing here. We see it in verse 4. Look at what it says there, verse 4. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? Here's what I want you to see. Here's the heart of God. Everyone is important to him. Everyone is important to him. You know, we write people off. You know, if it was us and we were in charge of that sheepfold, so I lost one. Dumb sheep. Hope he dies a slow death. That's our attitude. Hope he gets what he deserves. He should have stayed with the rest of us. I'm not going to waste my time. I've got 99 to take care of to go look for that one. That's not the attitude Jesus says here. The attitude is is that he leaves the 99 and he goes looking for the one. Why? Because every one of them is important to him. Every one of them is important to God. Do you understand that? 
Even the people you and I write off are important to God. How important are they? He went to the cross for them and died for them. Do you understand? That's the heart of God. It's easy for you and I to write people off, but that's not the way God is. As long as they're alive, they're important to Him. You say, well, George, you don't realize. They don't even care. Yeah, I realize that, but that doesn't change the heart of God towards them. He still cares for them. He still loves them. They're important to Him. They're important to Him. Here's the other thing you see about it. We see it from the same verse. He intentionally searches for the lost. The verse tells us He leaves the 99 to go look for this lost sheep. He doesn't know where this lost sheep is. He knows it's gone. So He goes searching for it. Here's what I want you to see. He intentionally searches for it. It's not like... Oh, well, you know, I know I got that lost sheep. Let him stay out there a few days in the night there, and then I'll go look for him. No, he immediately goes and looks for him. See, this is the heart of God. The heart of God is that he intentionally searches after us, period. He pursues us relentlessly. Aren't you glad he pursued you? Aren't you glad? I mean, that He cares that much for us? That He would pursue us? He pursues us. He intentionally searches for that lost one. For that lost one who's there. And then here's what happens. Look with me. It's a beautiful verse. I didn't really think about it before. I've read it so many times. It didn't really grasp me until I looked at it this week. Look at me in verse 5. I'll read you the verse and then I'll point out to you what was significant to me. And when He had found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. I've read that before, and it didn't really strike me before, but what really came out of that passage, here's what I want you to see. He cares for the lost. How many of you, I remember as a boy we had dogs. And, you know, when you live in the suburbs, like I grew up in the suburbs, I didn't grow up around here, I grew up in the suburbs of Columbia, South Carolina, and we had a dog, and we had a fenced-in yard, and sometime our dog would get out and go tearing through the neighborhood. And me and my brother, I remember I was ten and he was nine, we'd go running after it, running all through the neighborhood trying to get our dog. And when we would get our dog, we'd be yelling at it, we'd grab it, have our leash, and drag it back home. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You've had to do the same thing, okay? That is not the picture we have here. In fact, I'm looking at this. I can't even picture myself picking up that dog, laying it on my shoulders, and carrying it home. If it was me and I found this sheep, I'd be like swatting it with a rod. Get moving. Get back to the, you know. That's the attitude we would have, right? That's not the attitude we see here. Look at the attitude of the one who finds the sheep. First of all, it tells us he's excited. I found my sheep. He rejoices. And then, he listen, laying that sheep on your shoulder. First of all, have you ever been around sheep? They stink. They're smelly. But this, this guy picks up the sheep, lays it on his shoulders, and carries it back home. Folks, that's care. That's love. That's God. That's God. 
You're important to Him. He searches intentionally for you. And when He finds you, He doesn't beat you down and whoop you and say, you should have known better. He lovingly takes you up in His arms. He carries you. Isn't that an awesome God? Folks, that is our God. And that is the love that He has for people who go astray. That's the heart of God here. That's the heart of God. And, and look, it's not just that. He goes into another, another parable just to help further strengthen the reality of who God is and the love that He has and that He is a scandalous God. He talks about this story of a woman who has ten silver coins. Now, let me explain to you what, the, what that is. is like, that'd be like having ten hundred dollar bills. We're not talking a one dollar bill here. We're not talking a silver dollar here. We're talking about a lot of money. And so she has ten, let's say one hundred dollar bills. And she loses one. Have you ever lost some money in your house? What did you do? Oh, well, it'll turn up. No, you tear the house apart looking for it, right? Why? Here's the reason why. Here's what I want you to see. The lost are very valuable to him. They're very valuable. You have worth. Let me say that again. You have worth to God. You are valuable, very valuable. You're not just important. You have value to Him. You mean something to Him. You are important to Him, but you have value. You are something precious to Him. Do you understand that? In fact, you are... the, the law, I'm not just talking about His children here. Let's stop for a moment because we assume, oh yeah, that's real true. That's true about how the way He loves His children. I'm not talking about His children here, folks. I'm talking about the lost. People who don't want to have anything to do with Him. This is how God views them. This is the love of God towards them. He loves them so much that even though they don't want Him, even though they don't care for Him, even though they're off doing their own thing, He diligently seeks them because they have value to Him. That's our God. He doesn't write anybody off. He doesn't write them off. Yes, there will come a time when they have to stand before Him and answer for their things. But while they're still alive here in this world, He's pursuing them. Isn't that awesome? You know, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I've been thinking about this a lot lately about my life. I am blown away that Jesus saved me. I'm just blown away. You say, why, George? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't come from a Christian home. I didn't come from a home where, where we worshiped Jesus. I didn't come from a home where we went to church on Sunday. I didn't come from a home. I mean, Easter and Christmas were about eggs and ham and presents. And God ruthlessly pursued me and saved me. 
Why? Because I had some value to him. I don't understand that. I don't think I have value. Some of you don't think you have value to him. But we do. And he ruthlessly pursues us. Because he loves us. You are very valuable to him. The lost is very valuable to him. And here's what happens. Notice with me, you see it both in verse 7 and verse 10. Here's what happens. In both parables, Jesus says the same thing, basically. Look with me at verse 7. Here's what he says. I say to you that likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Verse 10, likewise I say to you, there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Here's what I want you to see. He celebrates when the lost are rescued. He celebrates. There is excitement when people come to Jesus. That's the reality. When you came to Christ, if you're here and you trusted Him, there was, a, there was a celebration going on in heaven over you. When the people we write off come to Jesus, there's a celebration. Isn't that awesome? That's the heart of our God. Aren't you glad He's not like us? Because, my friends, if he was like us, he would have been written off long ago. Now, there is a third part that comes out of this passage, and that's there is an imperative. There's something that comes out of us. Because, yes, this passage is focused on the nature of God's heart, and that he reaches out even to the outcasts. He reaches out even to those who are unacceptable. He reaches out to those whom we write off. But there is something else that comes from this passage. And here's what I want you to see. Look with me in verse... We see it in verse 10. Look again there. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Here's what I want you to see. He rejoices in changed lives. You know what that means? Here's the imperative. Because an imperative means... When, when you give an imperative, that's telling you something to do. Here's what the passage is telling us. If we are that important to him, if he loves us that much that he would intentionally search us out, that he would pursue us in the midst of our lostness, in the junk that we have placed ourselves in to destroy our own lives, if we are that valuable to Him that He celebrates so much so that when we, we are found, there's something I want you to see that's the imperative. We need to change our lives. See, He doesn't go into the midst of the junk of your life and pull you out of it only to let you go back into it. But that's the attitude of so many Christians today is, yeah, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, but they keep on living like hell. They keep having the same attitudes, the same things, same talking, same value system, same way of doing everything. But I love you, Jesus. He didn't pursue you for that. He pursued you to rescue you out of your darkness. And He rejoices 
when your life changes. See, that's what repentance is. Repentance isn't just believing, folks. Repentance is making a change. See, this is the imperative. There's joy in heaven when the sinner who is lost is found, but there's even more joy in heaven when the sinner who is lost is found and he changes his course. We're going to see that next week when we get into the, the prodigal son. Because here's the prodigal son who, who goes off, who tells his dad, I want my inheritance, basically saying, I'm wishing you were dead, dad. Goes off, spends it all, finds himself in misery, and then the scripture says he came to his senses. He changed. Folks, we need to change. Why? Because of the heart of God. So, okay, George, how do we apply this to our lives? Well, let me give you a couple of questions here, and then I'll give you an action point. First of all, let's start with, with the first question. What's your concept of God? What's your concept of Him? Is it the concept that the Pharisees have, that unacceptable people can't come to Him, that He's ready to squash people? Have you been operating under a wrong concept of who God is? See, it could be either way. It's either that you view him as somebody who's ready to squash everything about you to, to another extreme where you begin to view him as somebody he's just do whatever you want. He still loves you. But that's not the picture here. The picture here is one, he will pursue you, he loves you, he cares for you, but he wants you to come out of that darkness. He wants you to come out of what you've lost yourself in. So what's your concept of God? Think about that. You know, when I give you these questions at the end of the messages, they're not just for right now in the two seconds. Hmm, yeah, what, what, is, what is that? Uh, it's for you to think about during the week. Here's the other one. What's the condition of your heart? What's the condition of your heart? Are you far from Him? Have you been running from Him? Maybe you're like Jonah and you got angry with God because He told you something you didn't want to hear and so you ran. Isn't it interesting from the story of Jonah that God even pursued him? What's the condition of your heart? Is it lost? And you say, okay, George, how, how do we apply this? Well, here's what I want you to see. It comes out of that imperative. Respond to Jesus by making the change. Some of you are in the midst of a darkness right now. Some of you are in the midst of a serious darkness in your life. And He is seeking after you. He is diligently pursuing you out of love because you have value to Him. You are important to Him. And He wants to take you out of that darkness. But you know what, folks? You've got to want to be taken out of that darkness. You've got to want to change. You've got to want to say, okay, Jesus, you rescued me. Help me now. Make a choice that this week, you know what, Jesus? I hear you. 
I'm going to do something about it, Jesus. I'm going to change. I'm going to, I'm going to repent. I'm going to make the change in my life. Help me to make the change in my life. Some of you need to do that this week. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.